Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. Today is Monday, July the 17th, 2023. Last night, Kentucky defeated Canada 89-72 in the battle game of Global Jam 2023 up there in Toronto. The Cats went 4-0 in the tournament with a pair of wins over Canada, plus victories over Germany and Africa. Antonio Reeves was named the tournament MVP, scored 92 points in the four games. Justin Edwards, the the freshman led Kentucky last night with 23 points. Trey Mitchell, the transfer from West Virginia, he had a double-double last night with 18 points and 11 rebounds. We're going to talk about all of that with Ben Roberts, who does a great job of covering Kentucky basketball for the Herald-Leader and Kentucky.com. You can follow Ben on Twitter at Ben Roberts HL. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. So let's get right to it. My conversation with Ben Roberts about Kentucky in Global Jam 2023. Okay, I want to welcome into the podcast, Ben Roberts. How's it going, Ben? Good, John. How are you doing? I am doing good. <clears throat> ben, you were up in Canada for the first couple of games there of the Global Jam. Kentucky ended up 4-0. They won the game last night, the uh, championship game beating Canada. Overall, I was impressed. I know the competition was not the greatest, but uh, they looked probably better than I expected. What did you think? Yeah, I, I know we've we've both been a, a little critical in the lead up, you know, this offseason with with Cal first not, you know, having enough players basically to, to have a scrimmage and then obviously building mostly around freshmen and, and inexperienced players at a time when uh, it seems like, um, you know, age and experience uh, has been winning out in college basketball, but they they certainly have a, a dynamic ability to them. These freshmen with with you know first DJ Wagner the way he played, and then Justin Edwards showed it throughout the week, and even more so last night. Um, but really, everybody on this team, they you know they talked uh, when we talked to them. I guess a few days before they went up there, they talked about competitiveness and unselfishness. I felt like were were the two words that were used the most, and. You know, you're kind of cynical, a little skeptical when you when you hear 18 year olds talk about that when they've only been on campus for about a month. But I thought they really showed it. I thought they showed both of those things. And I was um, not as much surprised by the competitive level because you knew guys like DJ and Justin and some of these others had that in them. Um, but I guess the confidence that went along with that going against older opponents and then that unselfishness, uh, that, that was really the first takeaway of that first game when I was sitting there was just how much the ball moved. It didn't stick. Um, and I think a lot of Cal's best teams have, have had those traits and this certainly looks like a team with a lot of playmakers on it. Yeah. Cal made the question, made the comment up there, uh, in the post game after one of the games about, you know, they play like about teams used to play. Uh, which to me meant, you know, a lot of, as you said, uh, you know, dribble drives to the basket, uh, kind of a free-flowing style of play, not so much, not so much having set plays. But uh, what did you think of the style of play? Yeah, I thought it was really fun to watch. I mean, you know, we'll see what happens when, when Ugo and Aaron Bradshaw get healthy. And I'm sure, you know, Cal, you know, he's not going to play Trey Mitchell at the five all season long and, and probably not for a whole lot of stretches, although he did say he liked it. But you know, when you have that many playmakers on the court and, and he mentioned, you know, a do was a, was a point guard for, for his high school career. Uh, and, and then was obviously a bigger point guard as he hit that growth spurt late in his career. But you put him out there, you put DJ Reed Shepard, 
Rob Dillingham, Justin Edwards uh, is an unselfish player, but one who, who can also get to the basket. Antonio Reeves, we saw last year what he can do on the ball. And then I was really impressed with Trey Mitchell, the way you know he just seemed to make the right play no matter what the situation, whether it was as a rebounder, as a defender, um, but especially as a passer. He, I, I think he's going to, you know, Cal loves to talk about those hockey assists. And Trey looks like the type of guy, you know, just with his ability to, to make touch passes, to keep the ball moving, to to kind of make the pass that sets up the pass that, that sets up the, the eventual points. Um, I thought having a guy like that kind of in the middle of the offense was was really beneficial to them this past week. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's but but that, yeah, that dribble drive approach, um, they haven't had a guy recently. I don't think that that can get to the basket and finish the way DJ Wagner can and has that confidence to do so. He, Cal has had very few guys his entire career um, here, at least that have the length and ability of somebody like Justin Edwards. I mean, that 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 six, seven, six, eight guy who can put it on the the floor and, and actually get to the basket and finish over people and create space and and you know knows how to finish knows when to pull up knows when to take it all the way um he just hasn't had very many guys like that at all uh missed on a lot of guys you know recruiting through all his recruiting success i think that's been one of the biggest drawbacks was you know those those threes the jason tatum type of players um, he hasn't gotten a whole lot of guys in like that. So I think they're really going to love having him as part of that offense. And then when you can spread the court with, with Reeves and Mitchell and, and Reed Shepard and, and, you know, DJ hit some shots. Um, it's a fun style of basketball. You know, we'll see if he continues to give them quite that much freedom. Um, and if he kind of continues to play that, that quote unquote small ball style, but it, it was certainly fun to watch this week. Let's talk about Reeves. Uh, Antonio, uh, there was a time where he ended up being the MVP of the tournament. I think he scored 92 points, I believe, in the four games. Uh, he There was a time when he pulled out of the draft where he wanted to consider his options. Uh, it was kind of in doubt as to whether he was going to come back to Kentucky. You wrote about that. A, why do you think he came back? And B, how important, uh, after watching these four games, how important was it that he did come back to Kentucky? Yeah, I mean, as far as coming back, I, I never got the sense that he, you know, he didn't want to be here. Or he wanted to be somewhere else or anything like that. I, th- I think it was just a a case of keeping your options open. And I think we're going to see more of that, um, maybe not quite stretched out as long as, as he took it. But I, I think you're going to see instances like that moving forward with, with the transfer portal, with NIL, you know, guys just, especially guys on their last year of college, making completely sure that, that this is the move I want to make. This is where I want to finish out my career. And this is what's going to be best for me, um, you know, both financially and, and from a developmental standpoint to try to get to that next level. Uh, he hasn't gone into great detail on what he was exactly thinking for those two or three weeks before he, he kind of uh, showed back up on campus and, and was back all in with Kentucky. Uh, maybe he'll talk about that in the future, but, um, you know, it seems from talking to him and from talking to the other guys, especially the younger guys, that that he's all in now and, and he's really kind of added a, a veteran presence, which is, you know, obviously his age and experience um, make that, uh, you know, a, a thing that was going to happen. But it's kind of funny because he, he was kind of the deer in headlights guy for a lot of last season coming into a different level of basketball. 
on a team that had a lot of returning players and a lot of other returning players with experience, you know, he was the new guy and, and now everybody's treating him like the old guys, like the, the elder statesman of Kentucky basketball just a few months later. Uh, but he seems to be living up to that. And then from a, you know, on the court standpoint, just, a, just seems a lot more confident and a lot more, um, you know, able to, play within the flow of the game. I thought he was certainly getting to that point last season, but I, you know, he admitted that he, he felt like he did have to force a lot, even toward the end of last season, just because so many of their other guards were hurt or, or out completely. And a lot of that perimeter scoring burden fell on him. Uh, most of it did. Um, now when you've got guys like DJ Wagner and Reed Shepard and Dillingham, um, and, and then a, a guy like Justin Edwards, who's such a dynamic, versatile player, uh, one, it, it means Antonio doesn't have to force as much. And two, it means more space for him off the ball because defenders really have to pay attention to all of those guys. So that's going to allow him to, to, you know, create some more openings. And then when he does get the ball, um, you know, either, either go against maybe a little lesser defensive attention or already be in a spot to, to score immediately. So uh, I thought uh, I was really impressed with the way he played within the flow of the game all week. I felt like, you know, he had, he had 24 and 23 points in those first two games and they were quiet 24, 23 to me. And then he went off and had eight threes in the next one and, and, you know, had a little flurry last night and scored 18. So uh, I think that's kind of, I don't think his numbers are going to be quite that high. So he's obviously not going to shoot over 50% from three when the season starts. But I think that style of play is going to be there where, you know, he's going to be good for, for 15, 18 points a night. And a lot of it's going to be relatively quiet and, and pretty efficient. Okay, And what about Trey Mitchell? I mean, I was really uh, – Cal called it fate that they got Trey Mitchell. At, <laughs> at, uh, I mean, the West Virginia transfer, you know, transferred after Bob Huggins. The, the incident with Bob Huggins and Huggins resigned at West Virginia. Uh, obviously, Mitchell's an experienced player. Uh, I think he averaged, you know, what, 11 points, about six or seven rebounds last year for West Virginia. I was I was really impressed with the way that he fit in. He hasn't been on campus very long. Hasn't been, you know, for that many practices. I know it's a pretty much a new team, but I, I was really impressed with the way he played. What about you? Yeah, I, that was one of the biggest takeaways of the week. I think was you know not. I mean, you expect a you know a fifth year college player, especially a guy who has as much experience playing at a high level and playing major minutes of. Uh, all you know all four of those seasons i mean you expect him to be you know a little smarter making the right plays uh having a better feel for the game but the fact that he was on campus literally less than two weeks before they went to toronto um and you know cal's been talking for the last two weeks about how they 10 practices this 10 practices that we've only had 10 practices um trey had even fewer than that i mean he, he didn't have all 10 of those practices uh and, and to come out and still seem like he just fits so seamlessly with this team and to, to find ways to make those exact right plays and and decisions um within the flow of the game i, I thought that was just really really impressive and and it just kind of drove home um, how much they needed a player like that. Not only uh, kind of that versatility and ability to, to do whatever is needed at, at any point, but, but the experience and the knowledge to, to know when to make those plays um, and, and, and what to do in those situations. Uh, they didn't, they didn't have anybody on the team like that. Um, and, and now they got a guy and, 
and also a guy who from talking to him and just from watching him play and from talking to others, he's also very, very unselfish. I mean, he, he, he seems like, uh, you know, you go out there and you tell him to get 10 rebounds one game, he'll do his best to do it. If you need him to get 20 points, he can probably do that. And if you need him just to kind of keep things moving offensively and get five assists, he he can do that. It's just going to be a matter of matchups and what Cal needs from him. And, And he seems like the type of guy that, will buy into that. He, you know, in that regard, he kind of reminds me, obviously, much, much different players, but mentality-wise and approach-wise, uh, that kind of Reed Travis, Nate Sestina, that, you know, we kind of said throughout the offseason, they need more guys like that on this team with so many freshmen. Um, and it certainly seems like they found one. Yeah, that, that's a really good comparison. I hadn't thought of, that, thought of it that way, but I think that is a good comparison with some of the grad transfers that Cal has brought in over the last few years. He's a different player than Kellen Grady, obviously, but he kind of – the way I, I enjoyed talking to him the short period of time. I talk, We got to talk to him before they went up to Toronto. He seems like a real thoughtful kid, a mature kid. He was one of the guys – you know, you mentioned earlier about, you know, there was a lot of talk about the team being unselfish uh, during practices before they even went to Toronto. When I talked to him, he brought it up without any uh, – I mean, he brought it up right away, and I took it as, uh, okay, for this guy to say it, it you know, yeah. it means something because he just got here. I don't think he's programmed yet to say what they want him, <laughs> want him to say. So, yeah, I, so far he just looks like a perfect fit for uh, what they need on this team. Yeah, he does. And, yeah, to, to your point there, I, I think we all got a little spoiled last year with so many, you know, veteran adults uh, right. for us, <laughs> us reporters to talk to, you know, when you knew you had a, a Jacob Toppin or, or a Savier Wheeler, um, Lance Ware, guys like that who had been through it and, and could speak from a little different perspective. Um, it, it'll be nice for us to have a Trey right. Mitchell that, you know, when when uh, you really need that experience factor uh, to bounce something off of that, that he can give it to you. And and yeah, like you said, I, I was really I really enjoyed talking to him that that kind of pre Toronto interview session he he did here and then talking to him after I guess it was the first game. Um, up there, it was more of the same, just really being able to put in perspective what was going on on the court and what was going on with with these young players. And, and that's something I'm sure we'll all be looking forward to, to hearing more from him as the season goes on. I want to talk about the freshmen and also want to talk about a couple of flies in the ointment uh, for Kentucky basketball. And we'll do that uh, right after this break. We'll be right back with Ben Roberts of the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Hey, it's John Clay, sports columnist for the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. I just wanted to take a moment to thank everyone who supports our work at the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. Please go to Kentucky.com and hit on that subscription button to get a digital subscription to Kentucky.com or a print subscription to the Herald Leader. You'll not only get my columns, but you'll get Kentucky basketball coverage from Ben Roberts, UK basketball recruiting coverage from Cam Drummond. You'll also get UK football coverage from John Hale, high school sports coverage from Jared Peck, UK women's basketball coverage from Caroline McCaucus, and columns from my colleague Mark Story. They all do a great job at the Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. I also want to thank everyone who supports the podcast. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. That just helps more people find the podcast. We appreciate everybody who has already done so. And as I said earlier, thanks again for supporting our work at the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. 
Okay, back here with Ben Roberts, covers Kentucky basketball for the Herald Leader and, and Kentucky.com. Ben was up in Toronto for the first couple of games and then uh, covered covered it uh, the rest of the rest of the series from back here in Kentucky, but he got a good look, firsthand look at what the kind of a sneak peek of what this Kentucky basketball team will look like in the fall. Ben, let's talk about Justin Edwards. He, to me, he's a very interesting player. I had not seen him play before. I don't watch the McDonald's All American Games and that kind of stuff. Uh, he's not shy. He doesn't mind shooting the ball, uh, but he does make things happen. He and he is competitive. Uh, I got that. You know, you you had talked about that. Other people had talked about that. He does look like a competitor. What did you think of his overall play in Canada? Yeah, I mean, I, I was pretty impressed by his first game where he didn't shoot the ball well, and you could tell early on that it wasn't going to be his night offensively. So he went out and got nine rebounds, you know, for a team that obviously we've talked a lot about them missing Oscar Sheepway and him going off to the NBA, and no one player, probably no two players are going to replicate the type of rebounding production that, that Oscar gave them the past two seasons. So, uh, you know... Uh, Trey Mitchell, uh, you know, going back to him, told me that that Cal has really been hammering home in the time he's been here. Rebound, rebound, rebound. We got to. This is going to be a team effort. We got to have this collective effort to to hit the glass. And for Justin to go out and get nine rebounds and lead the team in rebounding that first game, um, I think that shows you something. I think that shows you that that he's willing to sacrifice. He he has a, a lot of unselfishness in him that that he'll go out and and kind of do what's needed. But then, as we saw last night, um, especially in the first half when he had 17 points, he is going to be capable on any given night against any opponent, I think, of using that that just unique length and ability to put the ball on the floor and just go out and get buckets. I mean, he can hit threes. He can put it on the floor and, and pull up and shoot over guys because he's so tall. And then he's got that length and kind of, you know, creative ability to score different angles to, to take it all the way in and, and score on some big men. So um, that's going to be a weapon. And when you when you add that to other penetrators like DJ Wagner, Rob Dillingham, um, when they get their bigs back, some of these other these vets like like Trey and Antonio, uh, that's all, I think that's a lot of dynamic ability for for one offense. Um, and then the other thing offensively for him, I mean, he admitted, I think it was after the second game, that he was not a fan of the FIBA ball. You know, they played with a different basketball um, <laughs> right, the, right. the past few days than they will in college basketball and, and the one that he's been used to playing high school AAU. And, you know, he didn't, he wasn't really making excuses, but he did kind of imply that maybe his shooting was off because. They hadn't really had much time with that basketball. And if you look at the stats over the course of the week, he got better and he shot better. And and just eyeball say he looked more comfortable shooting the ball um, as he got more used to it. So I, I think that also could be a factor in maybe some of those early inefficiencies that he had offensively. But, yeah, I mean, I, I was uh, I was impressed with him. And, and like I said before, I just don't think, you know, Cal – has gone after guys like that in the past. He's tried to recruit guys like that in the past. He's had maybe a couple, uh, but really nobody quite like Justin. Certainly what he's capable of, his ceiling. Um, and and I think that's going to be kind of an added treat for, for both Cal and, and I'm sure Kentucky fans to get to see somebody like that play. 
On the one hand, I thought some of his shot selection was not the best. On the other hand, you want a guy on your team who's, and Cal's talked about this, who's not afraid to take that shot. He's not afraid to step up in the moment when you need him to step up. Is he that kind of player? Yeah, I think he is. And uh, and I think he and he and DJ, um, I think this applies to both of them, that what might look like a bad shot for those two guys, a lot of times isn't because they can hit it and they have the, in DJ's case, I mean, I think he has the strength for a guard to finish off shots like that. And just kind of, he really has an ability to, to score a lot of different angles around the basket. And then Justin just has that length. So while it might look, it, it, you know, if he shoots this runner over somebody, a contested shot, it might look like he's forcing it, but that's a shot. He has been shooting his entire life and shooting against pretty good sized opponents, uh, especially here recently on the on the Nike level and uh, for a very very competitive high school program. Um, so it's a shot uh, that might look a little off sometimes, but it's one that he, he's going to make on a consistent basis. And in both those guys, I think those are shots that, that John Calipari wants them to attempt. Okay, let's talk about DJ Wagner. You've talked about it before and watching DJ. I mean, he is a dynamic player. He's got that step where he can get to the basket. I heard uh, Tom Leach talking about on his show after seeing a couple of practices. He went back to what these uh, people said about uh, Rajon Rondo and that uh, his pro chances. Yeah, he's he struggles from his outside with his outside shot, but it doesn't matter because he can get the ball to the basket because you can't stop him from getting the ball to the basket. Seems to me like we saw a lot of that in Toronto. A uh, little, you know, here and there with his shot, but he is a dynamic player. What, what, how did he look for somebody who's seen DJ play a bunch before? How, how did you think he played in Toronto? Yeah, I think the biggest part that goes along with that is his confidence level. Um, I mean, he is just that guy who thinks he's going to score every time he goes at the bucket and is not afraid of anything and has a lot of the physical and skill abilities to back that up. And we've seen guys, you know, Emmanuel quickly, I think is a good example kind of a, as a counter to this. He's a guy who, you know, again, different players, but, but he really excelled in high school at getting to the basket, making things happen, playmaking on the move. Um, you know, when he got to Kentucky that first season, he was a little he- hesitant, a little reticent, a little, you know, didn't quite have the confidence level to finish off plays like that. He comes back for year two He's a totally different player, uh, best player in the SEC. I mean, just a, a complete transformation over the over the course of that season. And I, I think confidence was a big part of that, uh, the confidence to make those plays at that level against that type of competition. DJ Wagner has that uh, on July 12th or whatever, you know, the, the first game of the Global Jam was. And, you know, I talked to him after that game and, and, you know, he, he came out and, and hit the first two or three shots of that game. And I asked, you know, did that help you get, uh, you know, out, out on the right foot, maybe relax a little, get some of those early butterflies out of the way. And he went on to say, you know, it did help me, you know, get into the groove of the game. I think some other guys fed off of it. And then he came back to the butterflies part of it and said, you know, butterflies, there's no butterflies with me. Like, I'm going to go out there and play basketball no matter what the, the setting, no matter what what the situation and I think that's really big for Kentucky because to have that mentality in your freshman point guard, we've seen guys, again, different players, but but going back to the John Walls, the De'Aaron Foxes, the Brandon Knights, they were never hesitant. They were never afraid to, to put the ball on the floor, get things going. 
playmate, go at the basket, go at people, uh, absorb contact, create contact. Uh, DJ is very much in that vein uh, mentality-wise. And again, he has the ability to back it up. In transition, you're not going to stop him. Um, one-on-one, you're going to have a very difficult time stopping him. Uh, you know, he's going to struggle some, as all freshmen do, as all those guys did at various points, um, especially as, as these college coaches get some more tape on him, throw some different looks at him. Um, but, uh, but I think it's going to keep coming back to that confidence and, and his ability to just, just kind of work things out and, and figure things out as he goes along. And, and um, from that standpoint, I, I, I was really impressed with kind of the way he carried himself through these games. Okay, who else? Who else do you want to talk about before we get a cup? Because we are uh, cynical reporters, we'll talk about a couple of negatives uh, from Canada. Anybody else you want to talk about? Well, I mean, I I thought Reed Shepard, the way he very much played within the flow of the team and, and again, did what he was called upon to do. I mean, he He did a lot of different things. Did a lot of different things and played, I believe, the six most minutes. I'm throwing this out there for John Calipari. I'm sure he'll use it at some point in the preseason, but played the (laughs) six most minutes and and led the team in assists and had a better than three-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio um, and had seven steals and had five blocked shots. So offensively, you know, while he was a 30 point a game type of guy in high school, if you watched him play on the Adidas circuit where he had a lot more talent around him, um, he was very unselfish would, you know, would still get his points and take his shots, but it all worked within the flow of the game. He, he wasn't forcing stuff. Uh, he was shooting open shots and he was creating for others. And you kind of knew when he watched him in that setting that when he got to Kentucky, he was going to be comfortable deferring and just setting other guys up and, and, and being okay with that. Um, but he, even I was impressed with the way he did it in some of those games in, in Canada. And then defensively, again, when, when coaches get more tape on them, they're going to be able to put them in some different situations that he might not be comfortable with. Uh, but he, he plays really hard and he's really smart. I mean, the the reach in stuff to poke balls away and get steals where a lot of especially young guys get fouls on on plays like that. Reed is just so quick with either either back tapping or just you're just sticking his hand in there and and kind of jarring that ball loose or, or kind of discombobulating the ball handler. Um, just just real real heady player and and you know plays well above beyond his age from that aspect. Uh, and then you know the chase down blocks the blocking the three pointers and then having the wherewithal to, to go get the ball and start the break. Um, you know, I, I just, I, he seems like kind of a perfect sixth, seventh man, especially for this team and a guy who can come in and, and again, kind of give you whatever you want. And then if you leave him open, he, he, he's going to, he's going to hit that three pointer more often than not. Uh, you know, a guy that we hadn't heard a lot about because he was a late addition. We didn't know what he was going to do. He didn't play a whole lot in Canada, but I thought he I thought he played better than I expected. Was Jordan Burks? Uh, I mean, he you know got, got him some rebounds, played pretty well underneath the basket. Uh, what about him? Do you think he's a guy who can end up helping this team when maybe we thought he was more of a development player? Yeah, I mean, I certainly thought it was a positive takeaway um, what he was able to give them. I, I'm not sure how much he's going to play as long as those those two bigs get healthy. 
Yeah. Just because obviously, I mean, he was he was uh, he's listed as a six nine guard. He was playing sitter a lot right. uh, in the Canada games just because they had no other options. Um, you know, one positive takeaway from that is the fact that he was willing to do it, and like you said, made good things happen. Got block shots, got rebounds. Uh, was willing to mix it up with with some bigger older players in there. Uh, you know, I think that's uh, the, the, that kind of sacrifice uh, for a guy who's used to playing on the perimeter, been been really kind of a three his whole life to go in there and basically play only power forward and center um, on, again, 10 practices. I'm sure he didn't get to, to do it a whole lot uh, beforehand. Um, you know, that, that that was a good sign for him. I, and I think um, not only this year, but. I think for however long he's here, um, especially at the beginning, he's going to have to kind of find those ways to make a difference. And it, it it's probably not going to be the way he's made a difference in the past, in the past, right. just because especially on this team, that's not what they're going to need from him. So yeah, I, I thought it was a good sign that, that he was able to do some stuff like that. And then another guy we haven't talked about is a, is a dude, yeah. uh, especially those first three games. I mean, I, it was funny talking to him after the first one about rebounding. And we talked about rebounding back in Lexington before before he went on this trip and how he thought that could really be a, a strong point of his game. And him kind of chuckling at the fact of, you know, he figured that out early last season that, one, it was an important part of the college game. Two, he thought he could do it. Three, he knew, realized early that John Calipari loved guys who could rebound. Um, which obviously he does and, and showed some good wherewithal on a deuce part as a youngster there. But then every time he tried to go in there, Oscar would just body him out of the way and take the ball from him. So it's like, you know, I know I'm supposed to be doing this, but, you know, what what can I do? Oscar gets every rebound. Now, you know, I, I, there was one, um, I think it was the third game. I mean, he he just bodied Justin Edwards out of the way and, and grabbed it from him. It looked like shades of kind of a mini Oscar. Uh, and I, I think for him to have... Uh, that approach and, you know, he got shuffled all over the place positionally last season. And I would imagine that's frustrating, but I talked to him about that back in Lexington and, you know, he said he, he saw it as a plus that, that it was just a matter of, you know, I'm learning new positions. I'm learning different ways to be a basketball player and wherever he has me, that's what I'm going to try to excel at and try to get better at. And, you know, he doesn't know if he's going to, you know, just be a straight three or, or be, you know, more of a defined role this season. And he really didn't seem like uh, that was at the top of his list at the top of his list was just becoming a better basketball player and, and trying to, trying to figure things out and, and do whatever he needed to do. And rebounding is going to be, especially while those bigs are out and probably even when they come back, because um, there's no Oscar Sheboys on this team or, or any other team in college basketball, rebounding is going to be a way to stay on the court. And, and I think he's, uh, he's figured that, that part of the game out. I think we've talked about everybody but Rob Dillingham, so let's talk about him. Uh, you know, a more of a supporting role in this, but I thought he had he had some flashes. He had some good minutes. What about Rob? Yeah, that's a good segue because I just finished a Rob Dillingham story that I think will be on Kentucky.com first okay. thing tomorrow morning and, and in the uh, paper later this week. But, yeah, I, you know, I, I think anybody who watched Rob in high school and especially on the Nike circuit, knew that this transition for him was going to be a, a little tougher than DJ, Justin, um, even Reed, um, just because, you know, he's listed 6'2", 160. 
he might not be that tall. He might not weigh that much. Uh, he, he's he, he doesn't have the strength that some of these other that, that a DJ Wagner has. He certainly doesn't have anything close to the size of of, of DJ or or Justin. Um, he was able to get by and not just get by, but thrive as a perimeter scorer based on his craftiness, his dribble moves, his ability to just kind of break down defenders. And then when he sees that window, just take these lightning quick shots, whether it be a, a step back three or shooting over somebody or just blowing by him and getting to the rim. Um, that kind of style is always going to be tougher to play when your opponents are bigger and longer and stronger and especially more experienced, which is what he saw up in Canada and which is what he's going to see um, starting in November. So, you know, trying to figure out how to take that unique scoring ability, which he has, I mean, he's going to figure it out at some point and apply it to the type of opposition he's going to face. And then also, kind of dialing it back. And I mean, he was a guy who could take a lot of shots, especially on the Nike circuit, especially in high school overtime elite. He could take a lot of shots. Um, he could miss five and then hit five in a row. And, and his coaches gave him kind of the leeway to do that. Um, and it sounds like Cal's going to give him a little more leeway than he does most of his freshman guards, but he's also going to have to, to kind of, find that medium and, and meet them halfway and, and figure out what a good shot is, what a bad shot is, cut the bad shots out. And he, I mean, he, he was, he's been frank about it. That, that That's still a process. He's still trying to figure that out. Um, but uh, I thought it was a good sign. One in that, I think it was the Germany game. Um, maybe this, maybe it was like the first Canada game. He got eight assists in 10 minutes with, with only one turnover. Um, he is his assist to minute ratio was second only to Reed Shepard last week. I think his assistant assist to turnover ratio was third best on the team. Um, having that kind of unselfishness and looking for others and then, and then finding your own shots throughout the flow of the game. I think that's going to be the key for him. And that's going to take a little bit longer for him to adjust to than, than DJ adjusting his game and Justin adjusting his game and, and Reed adjusting his game at the college level. One uh, one negative to Canada, not only do we not get to see Aaron Bradshaw, who was back in Lexington rehabbing after the medical procedure on his foot uh, from the injury he suffered at the McDonald's All-Star game, but we didn't get to see Ugana Onyenso either. He got hurt in the scrimmage against Africa on Tuesday. It kind of sounds like now that the injury, some sort of ankle injury, might be a little more serious than we first thought. Is that right? Yeah, and I, you know, the, the Tuesday scrimmage was closed door, so I mean, you're you had to be basically in the team traveling party to to be uh, in the gym for that one. I did talk to some people who were in the gym for that and, and saw the play, and everybody told me that they didn't think it looked that bad, but everybody also acknowledged with ankles, and especially with seven footers with ankles, you never really know until the next morning, and and uh, you see how it how it swells up, what it feels like. Um, and then, so I heard that before the game Wednesday, and then I'm sitting there and, and Ugana comes in with the protective boot and the two crutches and just moving just really, really slowly, uh, really carefully. Um, and it was pretty clear that, that, yeah, that he's not playing this week. And, and this is probably a little bit more serious than originally thought. And then Calipari acknowledged that, after last night's game, um, he said, 
he's going to be out for a while. And, and when asked if it was more serious than he thought it would be, he, he said, yeah, it, it, it looks like it is. So um, he's back in Lexington now. I think he's going to go through some, some further tests. It sounds like he might need surgery uh, to repair whatever happened there. You know, if that's the case, Aaron Bradshaw already out with the, with the foot procedure. You're looking at two seven-footers with foot-ankle injuries um, that are going to miss a good chunk of the preseason. That's that's not what you want to hear or what you want to see when you're John Calipari and, and you're already probably if you're if you're light at any position, that's where you you were already light at, and, and now you got both your big guys out. Yeah, that uh, which leads me to my second thing, and I think a lot of it had to do with they did not have a rim protector, which I think we think Onyenso can be. They didn't have another big guy, like obviously like Bradshaw. At times, I thought the teams hurt them on the inside, and these weren't particularly tall teams that they were playing against. Uh, but defensively, uh, like last night, I thought the second quarter defensively, they really struggled uh, against Canada. Uh, I mean, the small ball works on the offensive side. Is it going to work on the defensive side if they end up having to play a lot of that? That's, that would be one of my questions coming out of, coming out of Canada. What about you? What, what on, were there some flaws that you saw last night or was everything pretty much expected? Um, I think it's expected under the circumstances, but yeah, that, that, that means there were flaws and then that, that means it, it got ugly at times. And, and yeah, I, I think while it's, it's super fun to watch that bunch from an offensive perspective and then trade at the five is really intriguing. That's not going to work from a, a defensive standpoint uh, for long stretches. It's not going to work from, from a rebounding uh, standpoint from long, for long stretches. So they got to get those big guys back. They got to get some more bulk and, and strength and, and just size and length uh, down there in the post um and you know you talk about defense yes they struggled around the rim they also struggled on the perimeter and, and that's that's a place that is going to be a, a learning curve um and they might not ever get there this season is perimeter defense man-to-man defense um you know justin uh went for ball fakes quite a bit got blown by quite a bit all the all the guards really did uh, and, and that's going to happen. I mean, when you're 18 years old and you're playing against 22, 23 year olds, uh, but that's what they're also going to be playing against during the college season. And, you know, I, I think one plus that Calipari brought up is that, you know, if you're going for ball fakes and you, you're going for steals and you're playing up against somebody, it means you're trying. It means you're giving effort. And, and he said Justin Edwards was doing a lot of that. DJ Wagner was doing a lot of that. And I don't think you're going to question their their effort or competitive nature at any point. But they are going to get blown by some. Right. They are going to get, uh, you know, tricked and kind of pulled around by some of these older guards that they're going to face. And when that happens, it's going to help a lot if you got a seven foot Ugana Onyenso or Aaron Bradshaw in there to to clean up some of your messes. You know, Trey Mitchell can make some plays, but he's that's not the type of player he is. Uh, you know, a, a do is is six seven. That's not. He's going to get some weak side blocks, but that's not his game. Um, you need those two guys down there to, to give you that kind of last line of defense. And that's something that I know Cal was looking forward to. And for all of, of Oscar's, um, you know, abilities and all that he brought to the team the last couple of years, those were the two worst shot blocking teams by a very wide margin that John Calipari has had at Kentucky. And, and that was the reason. Um, and, you know, a lot of the identity of his best teams here have have been rim protection 
and the ability to, to clean up those messes and, and have that presence down in the post. So he wanted to return to that. It's clear this season, uh, you know, now it's just going to be a matter of, of when they get those guys back and, and how much development they miss as a result of being out this offseason. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. But overall, I thought it was it was fun to watch. It was a fun sneak preview of what they could be uh, in the fall. They are, uh, to me, uh, they look like a team that's going to be fun to watch, just their style of play. <clears throat> it's going to be interesting following the development of these guys. Ben, you uh, mentioned that you got something coming on Dillingham. What what, what else should uh, people be looking for uh, that you wrote from Canada if they missed that or what you've got coming up? Yeah, I mean, so far we've had, uh, you know, after last night's game, kind of some some general thoughts on what we learned about this team and what we didn't. Uh, that's up on Kentucky.com right now. Talked to kind of highlighted Reed Shepard um, after his big game against Canada. Highlighted Antonio Reeves after his big game um, against Africa Saturday. And then uh, highlighted Adu, Adu, kind of the stuff we talked about with Adu and, and much more from him on kind of his approach and what he learned last season, how he's trying to apply that to, to this team. And then, you know, the, the first story we wrote out of the event was um, that this team looks like they're, they're going to run, that they want to run, that, that Cal wants them to run and wants to give them that freedom. And I, I think they're going to be pretty equipped to do that with, with guys like DJ and Reed and Rob and, and Justin and really everybody being able to, to run the floor and, and move big for their move, move well for their size and position. Um, so I think that's going to make this team also a, a fun one to watch, but yeah, we've got more, a lot more coming up uh, the rest of the week uh, on different uh, aspects of maybe what they showed over the last few days, maybe what could apply to when the real season begins and maybe some places to, to scale back uh, expectations uh, on some of the stuff we saw in Canada. But yeah, so all, all that'll be up on Kentucky.com throughout the week and probably on into next week too. Nobody does a better job of covering Kentucky basketball all around uh, from his days when he was covering recruiting now to where he cover, covers the cats on the beat. So be sure and check out all of Ben's work on Kentucky.com. Follow him on Twitter at Ben Roberts HL. Ben, we went a little longer than we normally do, but we had a lot to talk about after the four games in Canada. We really appreciate you being on the podcast. All right. Yep. Thanks a lot, John. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. Thanks to my guest, Ben Roberts. Be sure to check out Ben's work at Kentucky.com. Follow him on Twitter at Ben Roberts HL. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Follow Mark Story at Mark C. Story. Follow Cam Drummond at C. Drummond 97. Follow John Hale at John Hale underscore HL. That's J O N H A L E underscore HL. Follow Jared Peck for high school coverage at HL Preps. And follow Caroline McCaucus at C. McCaucus. That's C-M-A-K-A-U-S-K-A-S. John Hale and myself are headed down to Nashville for SEC Football Media Days this week. Kentucky will take the, we'll be there on Wednesday when Kentucky takes the stage. Mark Stoops and the players on Wednesday, so be sure and check that out. Uh, check out all of our coverage from SEC Media Days uh, on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Herald Leader. Thanks again to Ben Roberts. Thanks again to everybody for listening. We'll catch you next time on the John Clay Podcast.